0: Or anybody else's books or ever attend a seminar to evolve as a human being. People were evolving before books and seminars, but people then ask me, well, Dan, why do you write all these books? Why do you teach seminars? Because good reminders.
1: you some living yet to do. I won't give a Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Man Talks podcast. My name is Roger Nairn, and I'm Connor Beaton. Before we get started with today's interview, we wanted to thank our sponsor, Van City Buzz. Do you love Vancouver? Stay connected with your city with the latest in news, events, sports, music, and more with Van City Buzz. Check out VanCityBuzz.com or search Van City Buzz on social media. So, Connor, what's something cool that you've done in Vancouver lately that you'd like everyone to, to know about?
2: I think that people should check out, you know, UBC is an amazing campus. It's actually the reason why I moved here to, to Vancouver. And, you know, there's some incredible things on, on campus like the Sun Yun Gardens. Those are pretty beautiful. You've got the museum. The museum is pretty incredible. So I, I would check out some things to do on UBC campus. It's beautiful. And there's some incredible sights to see.
1: Awesome. So let's get on to our guest, which is, holy crap,
2: Dan Millman.
1: Dan Millman um, <laughs> is the author of 17 books that have been read by over, uh, well, w- millions and millions of people in 29 languages. He teaches worldwide, speaking to men and women from all walks of life, including leaders in the fields of health, psychology, education, business, politics, sports, entertainment, and the arts. In his latest book, The Four Purposes of Life, Finding Meaning and Direction in a Changing World, Dan faces life's fundamental questions, you know, the big ones, the ones that keep us awake or wake us up at night. Why am I here? What am I meant to do? What is my purpose? What am I not understanding? Why does this keep happening? How shall I spend the rest of my life? Few writers approach the topic of life purpose with the clarity of Dan Millman whose prior books The Life You Were Born to Live reached more than a million readers worldwide. In The Four Purposes of Life, Millman distills decades of exploration and experience into a concise map of what we're here to accomplish in our life's journey. We're so honored to have Dan Millman on the podcast and we truly hope you enjoy our conversation with him. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dan Millman. You. Hey, Dan, welcome to the Man Talks podcast. Thank you so, so much for uh, joining us. Oh, pleasure. Roger and Connor, glad to be with you. Excellent. So before we get started, we always like to ask our guests, wonder if you can tell us a story about a defining moment for you as a man. Well, I have to say, I don't know if it's going to be
0: so gender-based, but in a way it is, as you'll see. I mean, it's really a defining moment as a person. I was about six or seven years old, maybe eight years old, and in the late fifties houses were going up. It was that kind of economy and people were building houses and the structure of the houses uh, were, were there. And we used to go and climb in the houses and climb on top and explore them underneath. And one of our favorite things to do, my friends and I, and they were a couple of years older than I was, they were streetwise. They were at least 11. Uh, we would go up in the rooftop. When they built a roof, and we would jump off the roof, and usually there was a big sand pile somewhere that we are using for concrete and and it was scary, it was way up there, and for me, it was you know six times my height at the time and I remember standing there, and my friends had jumped off into the sand pile down below, and I was really, really scared, uh, but I wanted to be brave, I wanted to be say, a man at that age, you know do something manly. And I stood there and I was getting ready. I walked to the edge and I'm like, no, I can't do it. And, you know, some kids do this job, jumping off the high board, that sort of thing, in the swimming pool. And I'm back and forth and I get ready, get my courage up and then stop. And something clicked and it defined, in a sense, the rest of my life, not only in gymnastics, but in life as well. I finally, and they were encouraging me from down below, finally I realized, just stop thinking and jump stop thinking and jump. And I just, I knew I could bend my knees. I knew I could lean forward. I knew I could leap. And I did just that. And it was just joyous, that flight and landing. And and of course, I wanted to do it the rest of the day. But the reason that was so formative for me was it informed everything I did in my trampoline days? Eventually, a world championship. It informed uh, through gymnastics because you know you, you face fear every day in gymnastics, trying the moves that could break your neck, you know that sort of thing. But in life, in martial arts, that was the moment I drew upon. It was like a master metaphor, and it relates to some wisdom that I learned. Like when running up a hill, it's okay to give up as many times as you want, as long as your feet keep moving.
2: does that make sense yeah does that make sense yeah absolutely it was
0: about it was about action is what counts in life not all the subjective stuff that's going on in our heads uh one writer said the the lesson is simple the student is complicated and the complications we make that i found well mark twain expressed it so well he said i've had many troubles in my life most of which never happen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's uh, that's a fantastic way of putting it. It's like the you know the real demons that we face aren't outside of us, but actually within us. So,
1: Dan, you you've written- you hear that? Do you hear the uh,
0: sirens here yeah. in Brooklyn going by? Hey. Yeah. So that's a perfect, perfect uh, omen talking about these challenges we totally. have in life. But please go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, Dan, you've written some incredible books. Um, I've become world famous, uh, you know, everything from the way of the peaceful warrior to the life you were born to live. But you've got a new book out, which is which is called The Four Purposes of Life, Finding Meaning and Direction in a Changing World. Um, you know, given the title of your book, I'm wondering if you can give a short description of the four purposes and, and, and why these four, and just maybe give a, a general uh, description. Of, of the book uh, to our listeners, I'd be happy to. You know, uh, when you write a book, it
0: isn't titled. It's not titled Four Purposes of Life." It's titled "The Four Purposes of Life," and that seems like hubris. It sounds like, well, who am I to tell people what the four purposes are? Uh, in fact, a friend of mine said, "Dan, I know the purpose of life. It's learning to love in our own way." You know, it's learning to love. Whatever the question, love is the answer. Well. I, I said, you know, that sounds like a great purpose. I couldn't argue with that one as an important purpose of life. Another friend said, yeah, but, you know, you know, it's really a bigger picture about enlightenment, awakening for human beings. And I said, you know, that sounds good to me, too. And another friend said, well, biologically, we're here to reproduce, keep the species going. Um, and that sounded good. So people could come up with various purposes. But just as we divide points on a compass into four primary directions— And just as we divide the days of the year into four seasons, by looking at our lives through this lens of the four purposes I present and will outline now briefly, it gives us a sense, it kind of sheds light in the darkness. We stop stumbling through our life quite as much. We kind of get a better sense of what we're here to do and what we're doing here. So simply put, just so your listeners get a sense of what are these four purposes I'm proposing. In brief, the first is learning life's lessons, growing up and waking up. The second is finding our career and calling and understanding the difference between the two, because it's an important distinction. It it brings a lot of clarity where there was confusion. And the third purpose is the most mysterious. It's about finding our life path. Like a hidden calling, those clarifying those inner drives we have, accepting ourselves as we are, understanding our strengths we may not have appreciated, and our hurdles, inner hurdles as well. So that's the third purpose, finding our life path. And the fourth one may be the most important one of all. It's attending to our purpose in this present moment. Now that's just a outline, that's just a menu, a list. There's not more, of course. To each of those categories.
1: So with the, with the first pur- purpose, you suggest that Earth is a perfect school and the, and the daily life is our classroom. Then what are the courses you need to pass in order to graduate? Well, this is sort of another
0: laundry list. And again, there's a lot more to it. But let me emphasize, when I say that Earth is a school and daily life is our classroom, I'm suggesting that daily life is guaranteed, guaranteed over time to teach us everything we need to learn and evolve as human beings and grow as men and human beings. Guaranteed. In other words, someone doesn't need to read my book or my books or anybody else's books or ever attend a seminar to evolve as a human being. People were evolving before books and seminars. But, but people then ask me, well, Dan, why do you write all these books? Why do you teach seminars? Because good reminders – Good perspectives for people can help them to learn the lessons of life, that daily life will deliver more gracefully and with a little, a little less pain. So that's why I teach and that's why I write. But daily life is the classroom. The challenges we meet in relationships, in finances, health issues, our body, they're, you know, lessons repeat themselves until we learn them. Have you noticed that? I'll bet your listeners have. And and if we don't learn easy ones, they get more dramatic. So it's not just about saying, oh, yeah, we're here to learn from our life experience. It sounds sort of mundane, but there's much more to it. We can't fail, for example. Impossible to fail at anything as long as we've learned a lesson. It's not just the icing on the cake. That's what it's all about. That's why it's the first purpose. Now, someone might say, as as you pointed out in your question, well, fine, if I'm here to learn, but what courses do I need to pass in order to graduate? if I'm in school here in daily life. So simply put, what I'm about to describe, and just give a brief list without explaining any of them, this comprises the entire arena of what we call personal development or personal growth. Because these 12 areas came from that contemplation. What is personal growth? We use the term all the time, personal development. Uh, This is it. First, discover your worth but it's different from self-esteem. Discover your worth. Second, reclaim your will. In other words, turn what you know into what you actually do. That's a big challenge for most of us. Third, energize your body. That's a foundation element, of course. Everything flows from that. Fourth, manage money. Fifth, tame your mind. And I have a very different take on what that means. Sixth, trust your intuition. Not just the left brain, but the right brain as well, so to speak. Seventh. Accept your emotions, whatever they may be, and there's way more to that one. Uh, Eighth, face your fears, including self-doubt, insecurity, and all that. Ninth, illuminate your shadow, and that means that's about self-knowledge, so important. Tenth, embrace your sexuality, which means whether you're a man or not, we all have different, slightly different takes on sexuality, and to accept who we are, to embrace who we are, and the eleventh of these classes we're all enrolled in is awaken your heart. And the 12th and final one, which brings us full circle is serve, find a way
2: to serve your world. So that's an answer to your question in brief. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. I think, I think one of the things that made Way of the Peaceful Warriors such a profound book, at least for myself, was the fact that you were really taking these everyday lessons, you know, the, the, that were around you and distilling them into how they impacted your life and and how they impacted the character's life in the book. And, you know, I think it, it really made me reflect on my own life and realize that the vast majority of things that I had learned, the skills that I had learned and the confidence that I had built, they... They all came out of these really incredible moments in my life that I was present to, that I witnessed, that I extracted the lesson from, and then I integrated it into my own being. So I, I love that the exactly. first, yeah, I love that the first lesson is you know learning learning life lessons through through our experiences because I think that's one of the most profound pieces. So. Um, Moving forward, what was what was this? You know, what's the sort of second principle you talk about um, finding your career and calling? I think for a lot of a lot of guys, especially this is that sort of purpose driven um, aspect. So can you elaborate on that a little bit for us? Sure, sure. When most people, uh,
0: men, and today women as well, of course, don't mean to exclude anybody. When they say, what am I here to do? It's usually that's what colors your parachute sort of search, the job search. Just as many people want to find a soulmate, they want to find a workmate to a, a job, a career mate, uh, or a soul career that it perfectly suits them, will help them be happy and fulfilled and, and so on. And I, b- I do believe very sincerely that each of us through self-knowledge can find work that has meets three criteria. We make what we consider good money, uh, satisfying money doesn't mean necessarily we get super rich, but for us, it means we make good money. The second thing is we find work that we at best love. Uh, In my case, that's probably fairly accurate. But at least we find satisfying, meaningful, uh, suitable for our talents, our values, and our interests. And third, it serves other people. No matter how humble, if we work in a mailroom somewhere, we're serving other people by sorting the mail. It's important that they get their mail. So there's no better job that has higher status. Any job that helps people directly or indirectly. Those three things are all important. And two out of the three won't sustain us for long. Some people say, well, hey, if I work at a job, I make good money and enjoy it. That's enough for me. But, you know, if we're not serving anybody, let's say we're a car, a poker player, professional poker player or card shark. We make good money. We might enjoy our work, but it's not really serving anybody. So I think it, it takes all three to form what we call satisfying work. Now, Career and calling. The first point I make in the four purposes of life is to understand that our career, whether we call it a profession, career, or just job, its primary purpose is providing an income for us to, to be independent, to support ourselves, and maybe a family. Uh, we may say, "Oh no, no, no! My job—I, I love my job because I love the people I work with. It's enjoyable. I find it meaningful. That's all nice. That's great. But if we weren't getting paid anything to do it, we'd probably have to find something else. It's a fundamental human need. Since human beings, probably in the Paleolithic era, were trading and bartering, so we need to produce an income for ourselves. So that's what our career is about. Whereas our calling." may never produce a scent, but it's something, we could call it a hobby, a sport, a pastime, uh, or a higher calling, maybe military, clergy, whatever. So a calling is what we would choose to spend our time doing, even though we don't always know why. It's something about it appeals to us. For some people, it's training in martial arts or a sport or a game or a craft. But the point is, it is our calling. And when we're told advice like, do what you love and the money will follow, that's nice advice, but that really applies to our calling more than our career. Newsflash, you don't have to love your work all the time. I mean, part of my work takes me around the world, jet lag, putting luggage in the overhead compartment, getting on the plane, flying long distances. I don't love every aspect of what I do, but overall it's, it's satisfying work and so on. Now my calling and my career happen to be the same thing. How do you know that? How does someone know if their career and calling is the same? Easy. If you'd won the lottery would you continue doing what you do if if it is it's a calling if not it's a job so you don't have to have a career in calling it's the same thing it can be different
1: and is your calling something that needs to be constantly searched for or do you do you think that your calling sort of finds you i think a lot of a lot of people put so much pressure on Trying to discover what their what their calling is or what their purpose is, um, you know what what sort of what sort of things can people do to to discover that?
0: Well, I think our calling sometimes it's just being exposed to things and something grabs us. Most of us can look back and and think of something we saw that was kind of seminal for us. When I was a kid, I saw a judo exhibition. I'd never seen judo, and it looked so cool. I was a little boy. I was small for my, for my age. And there was something about being able to throw somebody, uh, really appealed to me. And I I started a calling in the martial arts, which I pursued for decades. Um, so yeah, we don't have to sit around saying, gee, what is my calling? The, The point is some people, some young artists don't want to quote unquote, sell out. They say, I've got to pursue my art, my writing, my guitar playing, whatever it is. I can't sell out and just work in the everyday world. But you know what? Getting a day job could really help support them, help them move out of their parents' basement and actually be more independent. And then in their discretionary time, pursue their calling. And other people, there are many men who only value themselves if they're making money and supporting their family. And they've abandoned something they loved doing when they were younger. That they, whether it was playing the piano, the keyboard, or whatever it was, painting, drawing, a hobby, they've abandoned that. They can't justify it because it doesn't make money, but it would enrich their life to do. And a lot of people, they're never satisfied with their work because they're expecting it to fulfill them like a calling, but they're two separate things. So just that can provide kind of a map. To help us understand our work better. There's nothing in the four purposes of life that tells people here's the formula for finding the perfect job for you. That's a period of experiment over time to find what works best for us. Most of the time we have to find out what we don't want to do before we find what we do want to do. That's why they call the 20s. Our, you know When we're young men in our 20s, we call it the trying 20s because
2: you try this, then you try that, then you try that. I, I certainly did. Mm. yeah it's i think it's a great point because i you know especially when you're talking about pursuing calling and having something of structure and grounding that can actually allow you you know that that career piece that can actually allow you to pursue some of those things far too often I think I've you know I've, I've witnessed people who just try and pursue calling without any sort of formative plan or or any real idea of how they would make a living out of it and they don't have that sort of career aspect to allow them to pursue it properly and it ends up leading them you know right back into a space that they don't feel good about so um, I really appreciate that that, that insight and wisdom, because I think a lot of people definitely need that. You know, you, you talked about in this in the section, you talked about how many young people are are pressured to, you know, choose a career path before they they really know themselves. And I think that's what you're touching on with the 20s. So they end up choosing something um, that they, sh- you know, quote unquote, should do rather than what they really want to do. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Do you think that it's something that's that's a little bit of an epidemic or what does that look like for you? I think it's not uncommon. Uh, and thank you
0: for asking that because I really wanted to share that as well. The reason self-knowledge, and I go into that in depth in the four purposes of life because knowing ourselves is so key. I mean, every spiritual tradition, wisdom tradition says, know thyself. Because see, if we don't, if we know our self-image or if we're confusing what we really want to do with what we think we should do or someone else's, someone else thinks we should do, then we may, like Joseph Campbell described, climb to the top of our career ladder only to discover it's leaning against the wrong wall. See, if we don't know ourselves clearly, if we only kind of are developing the self-image, and it takes time to get to know yourself in terms of what really are my talents, what are my values, what are my interests, when we know these things about ourselves we make better decisions if we don't know ourselves we end up making the right decision for the wrong person the one we thought we were which is why many young people get married too early they they think oh i've changed they didn't change they just didn't know who they were and they ended up picking a person for the person they thought they were so some young marriages do very well of course people can be married their whole life they get married very young but for the most part, we know ourselves better. By our 30, 35, we've been tested against the world more. Nobody likes to hear that it takes you know, 10 years after college to really figure it out. But it is a process for most people. Um, so that's why it's important to really make that a contemplation. The job search is not just searching for a job. It's searching for ourselves.
1: Very cool. So, Dan, you know, with the third purpose, which is finding our life's path, you know, it seems to be very, very, um, how would I put it, mysterious. It's based on a number system and one's date of birth. So I'm curious, where did you come up with this uh, system and, and how does that unpack itself uh, for the reader? Yeah, yeah. In
0: the book, I address this how one of a rather unusual mentor of mine did a reading for me. I sat me down and started telling me about my life, my character, my strengths, my weaknesses. I said, Are you psychic? He said, No, I'm not a psychic. He said, I, but I've been trained to know where to look. And it, it literally changed my, my sense of myself radically from the t- time I walked in to sit down and t- from the time I walked out. I said, How could he know this about me? Well, he later announced he was going to be teaching an advanced training. and There were only about 25, 20 people actually in this training in Hawaii, uh, and I was there. there was, I said, you mean I can do for other people what you did for me? He said, yes. He, I only took 20 pages of notes. He gave a series of lectures. Now, I need to say the system, finding your, your life path, it is numerological. It is based on a numerological system. I was never interested In numerology, I glanced at a few numerology books at one time, and it seemed like 30 or 40% accurate to me, kind of vague and abstract. The main thing was, it made no sense to me how adding up the numbers of your date of birth could possibly give valid, reliable, accurate information about the core issues of your life. It just made no sense. I have no way of explaining it. However, it was so accurate, this particular interpretation of the numbers, that I started doing readings for relatives, friends, anybody who'd listen. And over time, after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, over an eight year process, I began to teach psychotherapists and others how to get this kind of insight into people. And finally, I wrote a book called The Life You Were Born to Live. So that book, which is one of my most popular ones, uh, has all the life paths. And there's also a life purpose app for Android or iPhones anybody can get and it has all the information. But let me invite your listeners more than anything I could say about this mysterious process is they can go to my website, peacefulwarrior.com after they listen to the podcast, peacefulwarrior.com, and they'll see a link right there for life purpose. If they click on that, They'll go to a life purpose calculator. They just put in their date of birth on this little wheel, their day, month, and year of birth, and they will immediately see a number. The number won't mean too much to them, but there'll be some words there and there'll be a paragraph, a teaser, a taste that addresses what they're here to do on a deeper level. It addresses their life path. And many people who are even very successful people feel like there's something missing. They're not quite on track. Something's unsatisfied. Um, and that is about that life path information. So that's why I considered it the third purpose of life. And that's why I summarized it uh, in the four purposes of life as the third purpose of life.
2: Wonderful. And then the, the fourth purpose that you talk about in the book um, is about dealing with, with each arising moment. And you suggest that there's no such thing as a future decision. So can you can you elaborate on that one a little bit yep i sure can
0: you know after reading through and it's a small book only 150 pages you know the four purposes but it's packed with information and after reading about living uh learning life's lessons and the uh the 12 courses we had to graduate and the school rules which are universal laws and the the power of adversity the hidden gifts and voluntary adversity and what that is and all those elements, and then getting into career and calling and knowing thyself and a process for making decisions, a mental time travel a system I teach there, and then the life path with the numbers. and the, It can be overwhelming. It's a lot of information. That's why I say people should read it one section at a time and contemplate it. But when we come to the fourth purpose, it comes all back down to earth. We can always handle the present moment, what's in front of us, what I am not saying in this particular section is live in the present. We all have heard that many times. It's good to live in the present moment, even though we're not sure we entirely understand what that means and how to do it. But the fact remains that all the only moment of a reality, what is real, is what's right in front of us. We're not used to thinking in these terms. We give as much value to memory and the past and what we call the future. A lot of our mental contemplation and processes, a lot of our attention is thinking about what we're going to do or what we already did and how we could do it differently and regrets and I wish I hadn't said that or had said that. So that's why it's so important to develop the ability to know that what's real is what's right in front of us. It simplifies our life radically my life is very busy but it's become very simple at the same time because i can take a deep breath i can relax and focus on what is in front of me right now we may get lost in our cosmic purpose somebody asks us what's your bigger purpose here but if somebody were to say to you connor you roger or me what is your purpose in this very moment we all know what it is we're talking together or actually you're listening to me uh, wax on. <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> but, but we always know our purpose in the present moment. And, you know, our, the, life is a series of moments and the quality of our moments that we bring to them becomes the quality of our life. So that's why attending to our purpose in this present moment is so important. It brings all of it down to earth in a way we can handle
2: yeah. You know, I, I think that one of the just to kind of chime in on that, I think one of the one of the most crippling things that people, you know, are, are weighed down by when it comes to purpose is the sort of large scaleness of it. Right. Because they feel like, oh, I have to have my right. life purpose in place. And they they feel like they have to have a knowing of what they're going to be doing for the rest of their life right. for X amount of years, yeah. Yeah. and and they are mm-hmm. trying to like live into the future, and that can be that can be a heavy heavy burden. And they're afraid
1: bear. and they're afraid to make a decision because they feel like if they make that decision, it's going to set them off onto this this path that could be wrong. Mm. Exactly, butterfly effect,
0: and yeah, and and in fact, sure, uh, that's a that's a nice crazy making idea, right? (laughs) Gee, if I make the wrong decision, many of us fear making the wrong decision. But you know, I I had I tell them experience in one of my books called The Laws of Spirit. uh, This woman sage uh, up in the mountains was teaching me these various universal laws, and she said, "Please, um, we came to a fork in the road. Uh, This is called the law of choices, and." I was. She said, "Please choose which path you want to go." And I looked at one. It went into the woods. Another path seemed to go over a rocky grade. And I thought about it. Hmm, should I go into the woods? Would that be more interesting? Over the grade? And finally, I said, "You know, I'm going to go the path on the right. That's that. I made my decision." She said, "Ah, oh, thank you. Now, please choose." And I went, "No, maybe you didn't hear me. I'm going to go on the right path, the one that goes over this grade." So, and she said, "Yes, I'm waiting for your decision." And I was getting a little irritated by this time. Didn't she? Are you not listening? You know. And I just started walking. And she smiled and said, thank you. The point was, we think we make decisions up in our heads. Our mind starts chasing its own tail, so to speak. Nobody makes a decision in their heads. We make a decision when we act. And if we do act, then we've made a decision. And if we walk a little bit above, up one path, We can go back, we can backtrack and take another path. Very few decisions are completely irreversible. So that's why you know this fear, it's like often we're walking down a block. Let's say in New York City, we're walking, we're halfway down the block. We're trying to figure out which foot to use to step off the curb when we get there. But there's no point in doing that. When we get to the curb, we'll know which foot to use. It'll happen naturally. So many times people try to make decisions before they really need to. Make them as late as possible. When you actually need to make it, then you act. And there's a law of faith, F-A-I-T-H, which says that faith is the courage to live as if everything that happens is for our highest good in learning. Faith is the knowledge that wherever we step, the path is going to appear. Our path may be winding. It may have twists and turns. But you can't
2: lose your way, even though it may feel like it sometimes. And just kind of, I mean, I, I love that. I love that analogy. And, and thank you very much for, for sharing that with your audience. I'm, I'm curious as to, you know, because before we start wrapping up, I'm, I'm curious as to what does success look like for you with purpose? And what is the feeling? What does it look like for people? How do they how can they sort of inherently know that they are living that sort of purpose, and they're on the right path, moving in the right direction. Sure. The opening
0: epigraph in The Four Purposes of Life is by Robert Byrne. He's master of quotations, and he said, the purpose of life is a life of purpose. And that's why we come back to the fourth purpose in the moment. In fact, um, in the peaceful warrior movie, with Nick Nolte, you know, based on my first book, there's a scene in which the char- Dan's character and Socrates, who I call the old mentor Socrates, they're at the top of the hill. They just hike this, this tall hill. And Dan has this realization that it's the, the desk. It's the journey that makes us happy, not the destination, which is a good reminder, you know, a bit of wisdom. Sure. Cause we're spending most of our life in the journeys, not just reaching one destination after the next. So, that's That's very wise, however, without a destination in mind, there is no journey. We just wander around because we're always at point a, and unless we have a point b we 're moving toward then we're just wandering about, so you know we're hardwired to have a purpose. Watch a baby crawling across the floor, looking at something shiny and it wants it, so from the time we're very young, we are always purposeful. We want something, whatever that may be. There's something we're moving toward. So that's why it's so important to remember to live a purposeful life. And again, in front of us, there's always a purpose. You know, a man came to me for a consultation once and said, I have no purpose at all. And I said, sure you do. And he said, no, I really don't. He was convinced of it. I said, well, what if you knew your purpose? What would it be? He wouldn't bite. So I had to use a bit of Zen track- trickery. What I said was, I said, well, since you don't know your purpose, I really can't help you. But hey, thanks. Uh, I appreciate uh, you know what you paid me. And uh, please close the door on your way out. He said, wait a minute. I paid you some good money. I have 90 minutes of your time, Dan. And I said, you know what? I think you've just discovered a purpose. And, and when our session was over, he would discover another purpose, finding his way back to his automobile and finding his way back home. And when he arrived home, another purpose would appear. So we never don't have a purpose. And that's the
2: point of living a purposeful life rather than living by accident, living on purpose. So that's the whole idea behind it. I love that because it's almost like striking and striving to find that balance between your future your future purpose and your current path, right? Because it's almost like the end, the end journey or the end goal and the, and the present moment and striking that balance between the two. So yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Just to kind of wrap it up, we, we really like to, to ask, uh, you know, one question of all of our guests, which is, what is the legacy you would wish to leave with in the world? I'm working on it, I'm about to complete my second to last book called The Hidden
0: School, which will be out probably next year, the third and final book in the Peaceful Warrior trilogy. Uh, then I have one final book, a memoir I'm going to be writing about the, the, the journey toward happiness. and. That's my legacy. My work, my legacy is living inside of many people. I've, I've taught at seminars and it's quite satisfying. I've been extremely lucky. I had no idea when I was young what I would be doing today. I think we're just stumbling toward the light and we find our way through a winding staircase. And, and it's important for each of us to trust our path. And that's why I recommend to people to uh dream big but start small and then connect the dots
1: Mm. that's that's an incredible legacy and and you're such an incredible man we we really really appreciate having you on the show what's what's the best way that our listeners can learn more about you and and learn more about the book and perhaps some of the uh, seminars and events and and coaching that you do
0: well, I'd say the the probably the best way is PeacefulWarrior.com. dot com, and there are people who look me up on Facebook and follow me too. I have quite a few of those, and I, I share some favorite quotations a couple times a week, a few announcements here and there, or Twitter. But the PeacefulWarrior.com dot com has that free life purpose calculator. It has online some online courses like the Peaceful Warrior Workout, four minute workout I've done every day for thirty years. Um, And all my books are listed there, descriptions and links to various online booksellers and so on. So they're all available there. Thank you for asking.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, and you know, for those that want to learn more about Man Talks itself, you can go to Mantalks.com for more podcasts, blog posts, and all sorts of information about our events. And of course, please subscribe to our, our podcast on iTunes and never miss an episode. Uh, we want to give a quick shout out to some of the listeners that have left us amazing reviews on, on iTunes, most recently Luke Merrick and Skier2990. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. It goes a long way to get the podcast into other people's hands or ears. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening to the Man Talks Podcast. catch us next week for another inspiring conversation with an inspiring man Mr. Dan Millman thank you so much we truly truly appreciate it nice visiting
0: with you take care
1: thanks so much Dan appreciate it